mercy, O Lord, be upon us. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous. Wisdom. The reading is from St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians. Let us be attentive. Brethren, walk as children of the light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is a shame even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it is said, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give you light. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. But be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with all your heart. Peace be to you, the reader. Summarize, let us hear the Holy Gospel. Peace be with all. And with your spirit. The reading is from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Let us be attentive. At that time, as Jesus drew near to Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. In hearing a multitude going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he cried, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And those who were in front rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. And when he came near, he asked him, What do you want me to do for you? He said, Lord, let me receive my sight. And Jesus said to him, Receive your sight, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed him, glorifying God and all the people when they saw it. Gave praise to Peace be to you. Oh.
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It appears that winter has arrived. One of the signs that winter has arrived, even in the absence of snow, is the fact that a lot of people seem to be getting sick. And I have heard, we have heard in the office of quite a few households that have been affected by various things, which shall pass, of course, but um, we are affected because perhaps we're getting older, perhaps we're getting weaker, or perhaps we just need a reminder that we are simply not immortal. And we are not able to be indestructible. Rather, we can even be held back quite seriously with a very simple sniffle. I also was affected from uh, Tuesday night until about uh, Thursday night. Friday, I was already feeling better. And yesterday, I, I, I felt rather almost back to normal. That this week, then I, I stayed home and worked from home more, trying to limit, trying to limit uh, the amount of speaking I was doing because my sore, my throat was a little sore. Interestingly, at one point, my wife was talking to somebody on the phone, and uh, she passed by the room, Theodora's room, in which I was quarantined. And uh, she was saying, I'm fine. I don't quite remember who she was speaking with, but she said, I'm fine. He's quarantined in one of the girls' rooms, and it's better that way. <laughs> I'm sure she was just talking about it being better for me. But during this period of time, when I was uh, in the room, and much of the time, especially on Wednesday, I couldn't talk much. I uh, was able to do some reading. And in uh, looking at the gospel and epistle reading for this Sunday, I, I felt a little bit empty. I felt a little bit empty because um, they're both stories, that, they're both passages from the scriptures that almost all of you know rather well. And I have preached on them, you know, after 25 years, you end up speaking on everything a few times. And um, I started looking at other things to prepare for you. And I was looking at the commemoration for this day, the Holy Prophet Zephaniah. And I realized, I don't know much about this guy. So why do I not know that much about Zephaniah? Probably because he really only has a book in the Old Testament that's about two pages long. So it's very little in terms of uh, content per se, but it does pack some punch actually. It uh, also is perhaps because the church in uh, in studying the scriptures and the traditions and everything has him listed as what they have it written down as a minor prophet, 
which is perhaps a little unfair, uh, especially in the way we think of the words major and minor uh, manifesting themselves in, in the English language today. So I thought I'd spend a little bit of time studying the book of Zephaniah, which like I said, is very, very short. It was, it was easy and it was actually very rewarding. So as I was studying and trying to look especially into some of the etymology of the words I was finding in there, obviously started with Zephaniah itself, uh, his name itself, himself. And, uh, and uh, one of the things that struck me was in looking at the meaning of his name. And some of the scholars actually have his name translated as God is darkness. Immediately, a light bulb kind of turned on. I remembered something going back to seminary. I remember that I was quite, quite disturbed when I learned that the meaning of the name Zephaniah was God is darkness. That doesn't grab me well, does it? Doesn't really affect me positively when I think of God being darkness. Now, of course, like most things, they have to be studied in their context, in, their, in the complexity of the meaning, both of um, actual etymology of the word, but also in context and in syntax and in grammar and everything. And of course, I kept on going and studying uh, further what others were saying and the best translation that gives us a better understanding as to the purpose of his name is that God is hidden or God is a mystery. Now, this book, and I'll get back to the meaning of that name. This book, as I mentioned to you, short but packs quite a lot in it, is both it's a prophecy both of warning for what's going to befall the Israelites and at the same time it's a promise uh, it's a prophecy of a promise of restoration and redemption so let me unpack that a little bit in verse 11 chapter 1 verse 11 we see all those exalting in their silver are utterly destroyed. That's what Zephaniah is telling the Israelites. All of those who are actually bringing good status to their life by the wealth, by the riches that they have amassed are going to be destroyed. This is scary because don't just think of super wealthy people. Don't think of Elon Musk and Warren Buffett and Bill Gates. Let's think of ourselves. You and I work and earn and save so that we can elevate our status based on the wealth we amass. That'll be destroyed. Zephaniah tells the people of God. Let's move on to verse 12. 
also in chapter 1. This is a little longer. Bear with me. And it shall come to pass in that day that I shall search Jerusalem with a lamp and shall take vengeance on the men having scorned their charge, their responsibility. The one saying in their hearts, The Lord shall not do any good, nor shall he do any harm. This is actually an interesting verse. It really, it really kind of stumped me. I ended up going back to it and then trying to look for all kinds of writings that I could find on it. And it, it, it really troubled me, actually. What is Zephaniah trying to say here? Basically, it speaks of a judgment which serves as evaluation for the works of the Israelites. You see, we as individuals and we as a community need to search what types of activities we do and how we pursue those activities even within the house of God, even in the name of God. The truth of the matter is that we can actually lose sight of God himself in the busyness of good works. Even in the concentration on wonderful programming, we can lose sight of the purpose for those very good works. Zephaniah says that he searched the Lord, I'm sorry, Zephaniah says that the Lord searched the lives of his people and he did not find the godly life that he was looking for. In other words, that statement, the Lord does not do any good and he does not do any harm, is this concept that the Lord God is just passive that the Lord God is just there and we are the ones doing the good and we are the ones doing the harm. Now we do harm and yes, we do indeed accomplish good also. But the Lord God is not passive. The Lord God is active and he is only, only as active in the works of the church, in the works of his people, in as much as his church, in as much as his people, you and me, pursue those works with utter and complete focus and dedication to him. In remembering that the very works that we do are not an end in and of themselves. Good is not good for its own purpose. Good is only good because it is fulfilled in God. Let me go back to verse 11, earlier in that verse 11. 
All the people are like Canaan. Now, I have to tell you that if we were to read just the book of Zephaniah and we do not read other passages of the Bible, we might actually get a little stuck and not exactly understand what it means when he says, Zephaniah says, all the people are like Canaan. So what might he be thinking about here? Interestingly, and much to my benefit, we studied the book of Joshua on the Saturday morning Bible study. The men's group has also been studying the book of Joshua much more intensely. But in the Saturday morning Bible study, we went through the book of Joshua fairly quickly, and it was easy to get stuck on the fact that there are a number of chapters in that book where it shows that now, after about 40 years of wandering in the desert, led by Moses, the Israelites, now being led by Joshua, come to the land of promise, Canaan, and they don't find that land empty. In fact, that land is full of different groups of people who are living there already. And what do we find out? That God is telling them to actually kill, eradicate. The words are very heavy. All those people. You would, have, you would have to be in that Bible study to understand why the, why the really heavy language, because it's not so much about the extermination of people. It is really much more so about the reality that those groups of people living in the land of promise of God were not living according to the laws of God, nor were they willing to accept the laws, the teachings of the one true God. That was the concept there, that the Israelites were called upon to destroy those who do not receive the teachings of the one true God. Now you see, let's fast go back now to Zephaniah. Zephaniah is telling now the Israelites, we are like the Canaanites who are no longer living according to the teachings of the one true God. This is scary. This is scary, brothers and sisters. But thankfully, in as much as this is a prophecy with a caution for wrongdoing of the Israelites, of the people of God, it is also, like I said, a prophecy of a promise, a promise that is still difficult for them to grasp, to understand. If we fast forward to chapter 3, verse 16, in the book of Zephaniah, we see this verse, the Lord your God is with you still, and the mighty one shall save you. He will renew you with his love. The mighty one shall save you, and he will renew you with his love. Kind of ambiguous, but of course, 2,000 years later as Christians, we're starting to see, right? 
Let's look at verse 19, just a little further down. Behold, at that time, I will act and live among you for your sake. Listen to that. Before, behold, at that time, I will act, live among you for your sake. This is God speaking to the Israelites through his prophet Zephaniah. This is a prophecy of God coming to live and work among his people for their own sake. This is the promise that Zephaniah leaves his people with. Of course, this is how God is hidden. This is how God is a mystery. This is how God is beautiful, in fact. And still, in 2023, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, you might still ask, what can I learn from this? What can I see in this for me now? Look at the gospel reading today. The man who could not see approached Jesus, begged him for help. He sought Jesus out. He arrived at Jesus, at the source of healing. And he didn't sit idle, he reached out and he requested. And in the end, is he healed? Yes, he was healed. But what does Jesus say to him? tells him your faith made you well not your pursuit of me not your request of me but your faith of course in the absence of the blind man's pursuit of Jesus in the absence of the blind man's request of Jesus in other words in the absence of his own work his faith would not have been alive. Brothers and sisters, the mystery that God is is revealed to us by the faithfulness of active work in our lives, in the lives of others, in the life of God being real in the world now. Amen.